we are starting a brand new series, Relation Slips. And uh, Relation Slips is because many of us don't start off our romantic lives thinking, I really want to mess this up. I want to I have a family dynamic that's harmful for the next generation. I want to, I'm so excited to get married because one day we'll get divorced and then our kids will have to recover from that. Nobody goes into a marriage thinking all these bad things, but what happens is we kind of just slip into it. We kind of, kind of have bad expectations or bad mindsets or we make bad decisions or we get caught up in what our family has always done. And it's like, it feels like our relationships are out of our control, whether we're single or dating or engaged or married or singled again or married with little kids or married with adult kids. Some things just seem out of control and, and, and we slip and it's like, why don't we have classes for this in, in high school? Like there's no real class on how to have a great marriage or how to have great relationships. And sometimes in the church, we're afraid to talk about things like sex. Ooh. We're afraid to talk about the things that the Bible talks about. And here we are learning about romance and relationships from every source but the Bible. And then we find that we're, we're just slipping. And I, I want to let you know and just even breathe hope in this room today that even if you've come from families that are dysfunctional or relationships, even if you've gone from bad relationship to bad relationship where you're wondering, like, is there something broken in me? Am I just, am I just wrong? I just want to let you know God created relationships. And if God creates something, it tells me that there's a 100% chance we can have success in our relationships. It tells me that God will set us up for success, but we need to line up with God's ways and not just slip into whatever feels right or whatever culture tells us. We need to line up. So I wanna, I wanna just ask you all, would you open up your hearts for hope in your romance? Would you open up your hearts to have a thriving, life-giving relationship? Man, there's been so many divorces in my family. Literally everyone in my family has been divorced, but I'm in a life-giving, literally, relationship with my wife. We're about to have our second child in March, 12th at 9 a.m., plan C-section. Come on, somebody. When, <laughs> when are you having your baby? 9 a.m. Are you a prophet? No, I'm just a planner, I guess. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just so excited. So the title of my message today is The Thirst is Real. The thirst is real. Urban Dictionary definition for thirsty. And I want to let you know, y'all are thirsty. Everybody in this room is thirsty. So thirsty, it means to crave attention, according to Urban Dictionary. Like if a guy, a girl, like someone, they try way too hard to talk to them when the person isn't giving them the time of day. You need an example? Why he's so thirsty? He always in my inbox trying to talk to me. Like, can't he see that I don't want him? Look at someone and say, you're thirsty. <laughs> I want to share a, a story from the scriptures, from the book of John, that talks about a woman who is thirsty in more ways than one. Let's turn to John 4. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritan. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift 
God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Dear Father, I pray that you'd bless this word to her ears. That we wouldn't just be hearers today, but we'd be doers of your word. And even in this moment, we say, Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. We open up our hearts to your message, to your way, for our relationship, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thirsty. Y'all are thirsty. When you drink the wrong water, like salt water, you in fact will increase your thirst. Something that looks good, something that looks like it's quenching you, is actually increasing your thirst. A while back, before Amrita and I were dating, we are in Colorado Springs, and we wanted to cleanse our bodies, and so we embarked on a journey called the Master Cleanse. And I know it's called the Master Cleanse, but it did not celebrate the master of the heavens and earth. It was not godly at all. What we had to do is we would make these potions of grade B maple syrup, lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and we would drink that every day and that alone. We didn't have food. We are just drinking the spicy, sweet, sludgy potion. And not only that, at night we would drink a tea called Smooth Move, and the hope was all this pepper and that tea would work in our bowels, and it would just clean us out. It would get rid of all the black junk and all the toxins and everything that was bad for us. Has anybody done the master cleanse here? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Steve Snyder, you've done the master cleanse? Hallelujah. I can tell. Look at that. Body. Come on. <laughs> Woo! So like, <laughs> that got me off guard. All right. <laughs> so you, you do all of this, and then in the morning, you're supposed to drink a quarter gallon of salt water. And it's horrible. So, I mean, you drink, and then pretty soon, it, you just can't handle it, and your, your body involuntarily just starts gagging. Like, you drink, I'm going to drink uh, salt and you're like, I'm going to, I'm doing this. And you're tearing up and it's just so miserable. And you want, you, your body is just rejecting this thing that can technically quench your thirst momentarily, but your body doesn't want anything to do with it because it's so unhealthy. And as you, you drink this, the reason you drink it is because it, it flows through your system and your, your body can't handle it. And so it gets rid of it and toxins and it cleans you up. And it, it's no respecter of time. Because you drink this, and pretty soon, it's coming out, and not, it's not a slow trickle. 
It's a rushing waterfall, taking advantage of every orifice, every hole. It's coming out. It's, it's just coming out. And uh, I remember I was, I was working in this youth ministry in Colorado Springs, and my friend, my friend Phil, he, he, he took this. He, he drank salt water. He didn't know what was going to happen. And he just happened to be, this is going to get a little graphic, so get ready. Uh, he, just, he just happened to be sitting in, in one of the pastor's nice, plush office chairs, the kind of chairs that stain easily, okay? And so he's sitting, oh, man, my body feels good. I'm about to be detoxed. Man, I'm, a, I'm about to be the best me. This is amazing. And uh-oh. Uh-oh, something, something's happening. Oh, no. Here, oh, something's happening. Something's happening. And he diarrheas all over the pastor's chair, and it stains. The pastor shows up to the office. He is not happy. And immediately after, Phil, after drinking all that water, he was thirsty again. He was thirsty again. And uh, I'm not trying to be gross just for the sake of being gross, but I think, I think this expresses a uh, spiritual principle that if you drink the wrong water, you will be thirsty again. If you drink the wrong water, you will be thirsty forever. I mean, with salt water, human kidneys can only make urine that is less salty than salt water. I'm just reading a definition right now. Therefore, to get rid of all the excess salt taken in by drinking seawater, you have to urinate more water than you drank. Eventually, you die of dehydration even as you become thirsty. And if we drink the wrong water, we will be thirsty forever. And uh, I'm going to be talking through relation slips. And the first relation slip I want to share is, is this one. Expecting people to give the satisfaction only God can provide. Expecting people to give the satisfaction only God can provide. One of the biggest reasons I see relationships fail is because we look to people to satisfy us instead of God. And I just want to ask this question. Is there a person you're looking to to satisfy the deep needs in your heart? Is there someone that, that you're hoping will fill a gap in your heart, will fill a gap in your life, and you're trying to get them to satisfy you like only God can? Because there, there are needs we have, there are desires we have, and the operating system of our life, we have basically four core needs. I mean, this isn't exhaustive, but we have four core needs. Like, number one, we're looking for acceptance in our life, a place where we can belong. And when we look to people, man, they can't satisfy, but God, who calls us his sons and his daughters, and he places the lonely in families, and he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is the only one who can bring us into that total acceptance. Another core need we have is we're all looking for identity, someone to tell us who we are, what we are, like, who, who am I? And many of us are asking that question. I want to let you know that God created you. God is the one who can give you your identity. The creator knows the creation, and you are a child of the most high king. You are receiving your identity from Jesus and Jesus alone. And he's the only one who can truly tell us who we are. We're all looking for security. And we might think, oh, if I'm in a relationship, finally I'll have someone to protect me or I'll be secure in my life. But I want to communicate this morning that outside of Jesus Christ, security is an illusion. 
You can be in the middle of the most popular city in America, New York, in a, an office building, and planes crash into you. Security is an illusion outside of Jesus Christ. The safest place to be is inside of God's will. Amen? We all have these needs. Many of us, all of us, are looking for purpose. But we know that we, as God's creation, the ones who receive identity from God, we say, God, what is your will for my life? And he says, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. I have a purpose for you. I have a destiny for you. And if you have never received these four elements from God, you might find yourself looking for people to satisfy these core needs in your heart. And I want to let you know, when you try to quench your thirst for these things, these core needs, you'll find that you are just thirsty again and again and again. And when we look to people to satisfy us, they always seem to come up short. How is a person supposed to do these four things for us? And what happens is when we look to people to satisfy us, it, they fall short again and again. And you probably are satisfying yourself in relationships if you're feeling these kind of things. You feel like people are always letting you down. Well, that might be because you're looking for people to satisfy your thirst. Or you find that your security is dependent on something you can't control or predict and whose resources to meet your needs are limited. If you feel like you're just insecure or secure based on relationships and how people treat you, you're probably quenching your thirst on people. Maybe you find that your ability to give and be in a life-giving relationship, your ability to give is dependent on your ability to get from others a spouse, a partner, a friend, and you find that your ability to give is dependent on your ability to get from others. And so if people don't give to me, I can't give to others. I'm empty because we're trying to quench our thirst on people. Or maybe you find that your life is filled with an atmosphere of disappointment. And uh, because people have always let you down, you just expect the worst out of every relationship. And I, I just believe that these unhealthy expectations and when people let us down, it creates a, a negative like atmosphere around us where people are just never good enough. People are always letting us down. We never feel like our, our marriage, our partner, our spouse is going to live up to these expectations we have. Why? Because God is the only one who can meet these expectations. God is the only one who can satisfy us in a way that we won't be perpetually thirsty. Have you started off a relationship and you thought, oh, finally, this person will make me happy. Finally, this person will make me feel at home. Finally, this person makes me feel like I am who I'm supposed to be. And the relationship started off super positive, but suddenly, along the years, you slipped and slipped and slipped. Now the person that you idolized to fill your needs, now you demonize. The person you started off feeling like, wow, this is God's answer to my life. This person's finally going to make me feel comfortable in my own skin. This is going to make everything okay. Suddenly that person you idolized to satisfy you and fill you, suddenly they are the, the enemy to you. And those who you idolize, those you pay, place on the pedestal where God belongs, eventually you're going to demonize them because only God can satisfy us in these core needs. Amen. God is the source of life, and we must place our trust in Jesus. Jeremiah 17.5 says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, 
and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So today, I want to help us in the beginning of a relationship series, turn our hearts to God. To God. I, before I can be in a godly marriage or in a godly uh, relationship, I need God to fill me. I need God to satisfy me. I need to quench my thirst on the living waters of Jesus Christ. And so I, I'm just thinking of the story, and it, it's such an amazing story. And I, I, as I've thought about the Samaritan woman at the well, I, I'm going to be honest, I've had some misconceptions about this story. And I, I just think it's a, it's a perfect illustration for how we can set up our romantic life for success in any season of life. And the Samaritan woman, she's going in the middle of the day when the weather is so hot, it's in the desert time, it's, in, it's just a bad time to be outside, high noon. If you've ever walked around in a place, like Florida, at high noon, you know how bad things can get. I was just in Phoenix uh, the other day, like yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure about time, I'm jet lagging, it's an hour difference. So uh, <laughs> this woman, in the middle of the day, it's super hot, it's in the desert, and she goes to the well, and there's nobody there. And she's a Samaritan woman, and as we read in the text, Samaritans were despised by Jewish people, and uh, people usually go to the well to make friends. You at, at, at work, you probably hang around the water cooler. And so her going there alone in the middle of the day kind of speaks that she was a, a loser in society. She was an outcast, and she's going to that well thinking, I'm going to be here alone. I'm filled with shame. I hope I don't see anybody. But then Jesus is sitting there alone. He had sent his disciples to go get food, and Jesus is sitting there, a Jewish rabbi. Now, in that culture, Jewish people did not speak to Samaritans, who were the losers of society, and men did not talk to women. And so this woman, I, I must be, I wonder if she's thinking, ah, oh, crap. I wanted to be here alone. I, I'm afraid to talk to people. I thought, I don't want to be shamed again. I don't want someone to attack me again. And it, it, here's a rabbi. And this rabbi, first thing he says to the woman is, hey, give me a drink. And she's like, what? Uh, what? You don't even have a rope or a bucket. Like, what are you doing? Like, how am I going to get, like, I'm not going to give you a drink. Like, are you, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? She says the woman was suppressed for the Jews were, refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied then. He goes on to say, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who are you speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So Jesus encounters this woman. And it's amazing. It's, it's kind of what you call a thirst trap, all right? He starts a conversation, and he is setting her up for something amazing. I'm going to develop this, but Jesus realizes that this woman is thirsty, and the only one who can truly satisfy her is Jesus. She, he realizes this, this woman is in a lot of trouble. This woman is really aching, and she needs something to quench her. Jesus goes on to say, hey, like, who is your husband? She's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, hey, you are correct. You've had five husbands, and the person you're living with is not your husband. And Jesus, I want to illustrate this. Jesus isn't worried about this woman's reputation. 
Jesus isn't worried about this woman's past. And many of us, even today, as we're talking about relationships in a church environment, we are so afraid we're going to be judged. We're so afraid that we don't measure up. Many of us are so insecure about who we are, our past, the ways we've struggled, the addictions we've had, how we've messed up. But I want to let you know that this woman, who is an outcast of society, had an encounter with Jesus because Jesus wanted to have that encounter. She went to this well. She went in the middle of the day thinking she would be alone. But Jesus, he made himself available to her. And I want to let you know today that Jesus wants to make himself available in your life and in your relationship. Why? Because point number one is God realizes the only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. God will show up where he's least expected, where you least expect to find him because he knows that you need him. The only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. I believe that relationships are great. Marriage is great, but it's not God. Marriage is wonderful, but it's not God. And that's why in my relationship with Amritha, we've committed to love each other second. Because we realize that God must be in the midst of our lives before we can be in the midst of each other's lives in a healthy way. And so Jesus is waiting at the well. Jesus is waiting for this woman to approach. She thought she would be alone, but there Jesus was. And some of us feel so alone in our relationships. We feel so afraid of God. I'm shameful. What are you, a Jew, doing talking to me? Why would God want to have anything do, to do in my relationships? And I want to let you know that God created you. God wants to be in the midst of your relationship, and the only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. God will show up where he's least expected because he knows he's the only one who can quench your thirst. What are you quenching your thirst on? Is it people? Is it success? Is it sex? Is it the American dream? You're trying to quench your thirst on these things, but they will never satisfy you like Jesus and I believe even in this series, this is like a Jesus holy intervention for a lot of us. We've been quenching our thirst on the wrong things, but I believe Jesus is sitting at the well saying, hey, drink from this water and I will satisfy your thirst. Some of us need to reevaluate our lives, our relationship, our hearts. When was the last time you met with someone who you were in, going on a romantic relationship? Even as a, a single person, when was the last time you just calmly said, Holy Spirit, come into my relationship? Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, I want to drink of your waters. Holy Spirit, would you enter into my romance? Holy Spirit, would you enter into my family? We have so many dysfunctions and slips in our marriage, and we try to handle this in our own strength, but it doesn't work. God created a relationship, and God is the only one who can sustain it. And uh, point number two, I believe this, that when we feast on the Holy Spirit, we receive the fruits of the Spirit, and Happy individuals make happy partners. Many of us are, as broken people, looking for someone to complete us, like in that movie, Jerry Maguire. You complete me. Do you remember that movie? You complete me. Well, no person is ever going to complete you. Only God can. When I, when I first saw Amritha, man, she would show up to the worship service at the church. We had never met, 
She, she was like going through a weird season with people. She just wanted to be alone with God. And so she wouldn't talk to anybody at the church in Colorado Springs. She would go to the altar, get on her knees before the Lord, and she would just worship. She was just drinking living water, drinking from the waters of the Holy Spirit. And she would just worship, and, and before service would end, she would sneak out of there. And I, I, I remember thinking, man, I want to meet this girl because she, she is just totally comfortable in her own skin. She just wants to feast on the Lord. She wants to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I, I remember seeing that she would sneak in late so she could just worship, sneak out early so she just could focus on her time with God, I remember just, like, interrupting her in worship. I was like, I got to meet this girl. <laughs> and she's like, hallelujah, you know, hands in the air, worshiping. And I, I just like, hey, I, I know you're going to leave early. I know you, I'm sorry to interrupt you in worship, but this is the only time I can talk to you. I see you're drinking of the living water, but, like, you want to hang out with me? <laughs> you want to come to old Chicago girl? <laughs> it was a pizza place in Colorado Springs. And so, so she, she, <laughs> she, she ended up coming with me, but I, I, I had my sights on this girl because she was happy as a single person. She was feasting on the Lord as a single person. And I, I, I realized I had been taught that happy individuals make for happy couples. And when we feast on the Lord, when we drink of the living water, we say, Lord, quench my thirst, it, it creates certain fruits. It creates certain fruits where we experience peace and patience. And many of us are trying to be happy couples, but we find that we're broken individuals. And I want to let you know, it's not going to work. Two halves in the kingdom don't make a whole. Two become one. Two become one. And uh, I want to read from Galatians 5. It says this in 16 through 23 about what happens when we drink from the wrong waters versus what happens when we drink from the right waters. Galatians 5 says this. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever felt like that? Like, man, God, I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. Anybody? Let's be honest here. In relationships, hey, I want to have a pure relationship. I want to respect boundaries. I want to set up boundaries that I follow now while I'm dating so that my partner will be confident I follow those boundaries when we're married. I mean, and then we find ourselves still struggling, like, why am I doing this? Because there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh in us. And so what happens when we drink from the flesh versus when we drink from the spirit, the living water of God? But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, idolatry, sorcery, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. For some of us, this seems like a description of our romantic life. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, so this is what happens when we drink from the living water of the Holy Spirit that Jesus offers. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. So when we drink of the flesh, we experience all these crazy things that seem to infiltrate our, our relationships, right? 
just like just arguments and stress and sexual like just immorality and all these struggles but when we drink from the spirit man gentleness peace patience we could use some more joy and peace in our relationship we could use more gentleness in our relationship well it doesn't happen by drinking from the flesh and just saying i'm going to be stronger and i'm going to be better the flesh is doing things in your own strength we need to say this is how i fight my battles holy spirit you are my strength I find my strength by worshiping you. Jesus, I will drink of your living water. When was the last time you drank from the living waters of Jesus to help you have the fruits you desire in your relationships? I, I just, I kind of have a bold statement here, but it's this. If you aren't walking under the power of the Spirit, you will have sexual problems. You will. Many of us are like, why am I addicted to pornography? Why do I have trouble respecting boundaries? Why am I like constantly thinking about cheating on my partner? Why am I emotionally opening my heart up to this person when I, when I shouldn't be? Why do I have a hard time like not objectifying women? Well, uh, if you're not walking under the power of the spirit, it says there's going to be sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. I mean, this is the fruit of just doing things in our own strength. And this woman at the well, the scripture talks about how she has five husbands and I've been taught a lot of times, like, hey, you know what? Even if you've made mistakes in your past, like, Jesus still has hope for you, and I believe that. But in this story, the, the woman isn't, like, someone I think that was all bad. I think she was a victim to a system of oppressing women. I mean, she did not have the power in that culture to divorce a man. Like, it was very hard for women to divorce in that Samaritan and Jewish culture. I mean, in many of these stories, women were almost considered property. And so it would have been very hard for her to divorce all these men. And here she finds herself divorced five times and living with someone who isn't her husband. That tells me she had, she's the victim in this story, not someone that we need to judge. Oh, she's an adulterous woman. She's scandalous. Oh, she, like, we kind of shame her, like, thousands of years later. But I, I believe she was a victim to a cycle and a system of sin and abusing and taking advantage of women, a, a cycle that I still believe exists in our culture today. Like, but how, how do we get there? How, how are women trafficked today? How is pornography rampant? When you, when you look at the stats of how many women are, who are in pornography are being trafficked, uh, if you're looking at porn, that'll, it'll make you question, like, am I watching someone who's being sex trafficked right now? Am I, being, am I watching someone who's being coerced right now? Am I, am I watching someone who's being abused right now? And I, I, play that that, I pray that that haunts you if you're looking at pornography because we are feeding into a system that's, that's really thrashing the women in our culture. But this is what happens when we give into the flesh. This is what happens. Nobody starts off saying, I want, I want to get into you know, all these sins and these addictions and abuse and these systems. But what we do is we just say, I'm going to handle this in my own strength. And we, we don't drink from the living water of Jesus Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to handle my marriage, my dating. I'm going to handle my singleness in my own strength. Hey, God, you can, I'll worship you on Sunday, but you can't have this part of my life. Like, I get my identity from my relationships. Jesus, yeah, I'll surrender everything to you, but don't you touch my relationship. I'll date whoever I want. I'll marry whoever I want. I'll, I'll conduct my family however I want. But what happens is the flesh gives birth to flesh. 
And we get into these systems. If you are struggling in your relationship, don't think a person will satisfy you, even if that person is you. Don't think your own strength will be strong enough. We all must drink of the living waters of Jesus Christ, and he will thirst us forever. Jesus is the source of the life we seek. Amen? Sin, when we give into the flesh, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And so we need to recognize today that trusting Jesus and recognizing Jesus is not the same thing. It's just, it's not the same thing. Many of us know about Jesus. We know who Jesus is. But when was the last time we truly turned our hearts to Jesus and said, I want to drink deeply of your water. I, I want to satisfy myself here. You know, this, this woman has an encounter with Jesus, and she realizes he's a prophet. And, and, and eventually the scripture says she, she leaves her jar at the well, and she goes to talk to these people I'm assuming she had been trying to avoid, but filled with this encounter with Jesus. She's a changed person. And she goes, talks to these people and says, I, I met someone who told me everything I ever did. And he didn't judge me. He offered me living water. He didn't cast me out like all these other men. He offered me living water. He offered me an alternative. This is in John 4. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She got rid of this jar because she was satisfied on Jesus. And I, I, I want to challenge us today with this question. Are there people in your life right now or in your expectation or in your future um, are there people in your life where you have an unhealthy expectation of? Are there any relationships that you're hoping will satisfy you like Jesus will satisfy you? Are you finding your identity in a relationship, your security in a relationship, your purpose in a relationship, your acceptance in a relationship? Is that you today? Because I want I want to challenge us and lead us in a time of prayer where we say, Dear Jesus, I, I release the people around me from unhealthy expectations, and I choose today to let you satisfy my thirst. I choose today to let you satisfy my thirst. And so why don't we bow our heads right now, and let's just open up our hearts to Jesus. Let's be honest. Many of us are dry, empty, broken, our, our relationships are filled with quarreling. Maybe we have just unhealthy expectations for people, and we feel like everybody around us is a disappointment. Nobody's quite satisfying me. I, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm just, I'm thirsty. I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm in a cycle of doing the things I don't want to do. And I want to encourage us like this, this woman to leave our jars at, at this earthly well and, and let ourselves feast, taste and see that Jesus is good. So, so if you could right now, could we just put our hands out and just receive from Jesus? So even right now, Holy Spirit, we 
we ask that you would come into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we're all thirsty, but we, we want to drink your living water. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we, we repent if we've been trying to quench our thirst on the things of the flesh. If we've been trying to be strong enough for ourselves, or we've been looking for a person to satisfy us. Jesus, right now, we, we drink your Holy Spirit. We drink your living water. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Come into my marriage. Come into my future. Come into my relationship. Even right now, just say, Holy Spirit, come. As we go into this relationship series, and even as a church, we don't want just self-help techniques. We don't want to be a church that knows about Jesus but doesn't know how to drink the living waters Jesus provides. I just want to challenge you. Can we drink from the living water of Jesus Christ? Can we let him satisfy our deepest thirst, not place these expectations on people? because it'll just leave us thirsty and thirsty again. But Jesus Christ will satisfy us forever. Amen. Hey, if you're in this place, before I, I transition off the stage, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, maybe you've been trying to satisfy yourself for years on these things, but you just find yourself thirsty and desperate and hopeless and walking in the dark time and time again, I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you do anything crazy, but if you're saying, hey, I need to surrender my life to Jesus, I need a new beginning, I need to quench my thirst on Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. If that's you, on the count of three, just lift up your hand so I can see it and then put it down, and I'll pray for you if you want to surrender your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Would you just lift up your hand? If you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Put it up so I can see it, and I will pray for you. Amen. See your hand. You can put it down. Is there anybody else? Just lift up your hand. All right, let's pray this prayer all together as a community, especially if you raise your hand. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus, the only one who can satisfy us?